TogiNet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or even more. I give you the opportunity to go look at their hotel fees and take advantage of their cost savings. Please go to www.bestradiotravel.com. Check them out. I think you'll be pleased. Welcome to Second Win with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Mm, good morning. What a thrill to be back with you. You know, I'm getting, I don't know about you, but I'm starting this, getting this kind of anxious feeling as we're getting into the holiday seasons. And I think it's because we get so revved up. There's so many sources coming at us. There's party invitations. There's all sorts of activities going on that actually just add to our schedule because our life does continue. And then we add these on top. So I'm really concerned in, in thinking about, well, how am I going to keep myself in balance during this season? I think it's so important for us to, te- to stay into our routines of the morning meditation, of the slowing down time, of maybe missing a party or two, or reaching out to that friend that you know may be spending some alone time this season, trying to create some sort of support to a sister or a brother out there in your community. We have all sorts of families, our immediate family and our extended family, which I call our support system, which is a friend. So anyway, I want you during this season to maybe Think about how can I shift this so that my season is more about enjoying and being present with who I am and how you can enjoy the holidays with less stress. It does take planning. Now, I want to share with you our guest today. This woman is absolutely fascinating. I found reading her information, I got so excited about having her on the program. And so let me tell you about Charmaine Hammond. Now, she is a certified speaking professional and is a highly sought after business keynote, workshop speaker, entrepreneur, author, and educator who teaches and advocates the importance of developing trust 
healthy relationships, and collaboration in the workplace. Now, she is respected as a no-fluff and rich content speaker who delivers tangible tools to step into action immediately. I like that. No fluff and great content. I like it. This former, and get this, she's formerly correctional officer. Yep, she says, I worked in jails. I can't wait to hear this story. And from there, she moved into corporate dispute resolution expert. That's where she is. And I'm, I see how the two kind of connect, but I think I want to hear her story. And she travels the world teaching the principles of collaboration, communication, slash conflict resolution. And my favorite word, I love this word, Charmaine. I love resilience. So mm. I'm thrilled that you are with us today because we have so much to talk about. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. How does a young woman, and when I saw your list of credentials and everything, I went, well, she must be 102 because it's so (laughs) much training that you have. I mean, and it's all in um, uh, mediation in that area. I'm just so, why were you so drawn to that area? Well, after working for 10 years as a correctional worker and much of the work I did was resolving conflict, I really mm-hmm. found that um, I wanted to dive deeper into learning how to resolve conflict. And then I went back to school, got trained as a mediator, uh, got a master's degree in conflict analysis and management, and then actually opened up a mediation practice where I was facilitating mediations for separation and divorce, family conflict, as well as workplace conflict. Ah, awesome. But why did you, I'm, I'm always curious. I mean, I would think you were probably in your twenties when you decided to go into the correction, correctional system. <laughs> I think yeah. that takes courage, girl. <laughs> well, at the time, I think I was just excited to work in such a challenging, uh, environment and I probably went in a little bit with my eyes closed. I had no idea what I was in store for. (laughs) But uh, it was a fantastic learning experience as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. How do they prepare one for such a position? Do they actually Mm. give you training? Yeah, I took a two-year college diploma, which was a correctional worker studies program. So the whole... um, the whole program is about working in jails and understanding uh, part of the law and and um, understanding how to work in those kind of very volatile uh, workplaces. And then once we once I was hired, there was also a very intensive training um, around handling riots and how to properly escort people to segregation, how to diffuse conflict, how to de-escalate uh, volatile situations. So we got a lot of on-the-job training, and, and I was blessed to have some fantastic mentors who mm. provided me with mentorship along the way, which was such so powerful and so needed. Yeah. So was it uh, – you have a – a really interesting story about an accident that happened to you. Um, and was that 
your transitioning point or the moment that shifted you from working in the prison system to working in business? There was a couple of transitions. The first transition that transitioned me from working in corrections to uh, then working in nonprofit and then having my own business, that transition was I followed the man I love across Canada <laughs> to move to a different location where there was no jail. So I was uh, forced to secure a new a new job, and uh, that's when I took a job as an executive director at a women's shelter. And just loved that experience so much. And and then shortly thereafter, I went back to school, completing my degree through correspondence studies. These were the days where there there was no internet back then. This was the days of listening to the courses with cassette tapes. (laughs) (laughs) And actually typing typing up my assignments on a typewriter and faxing them in. So yeah. it was it was a different day than we live in now. And then and then from there, as I was going back to school, taking studies, I was really missing the um, uh, the process of resolving conflict. And that was where I made that transition to move away from um, what I was doing in the nonprofit sector into becoming specialized as a dispute resolution expert. And the sailboat accident that I had several years later was what really transitioned me into building resilience into the work I was doing with conflict. And, and you know, that really came from many of the family uh, mediations that I did, separation and divorce mm-hmm. and parenting conflict. And I realized that uh, I had this big sort of aha moment after working with this incredible couple who – were going through a divorce, and they were working so hard to establish a parenting agreement that could provide their child with the best of both of their worlds, and they wanted to raise their their daughter with minimal conflict between them, and they were working so hard, and I saw how painful and difficult this was for them, and I realized in that moment that part of what was missing in this whole process of conflict resolution and how I have been trained as a mediator is that our process didn't allow for us to work with people to be be resilient after the conflict is resolved. And it was this Mm -hmm. couple that actually got me thinking, wow, here's a couple who have had some real difficulties in their marriage and are choosing not to stay married together, but are so committed to their child. And they're going to, you know, figure out how to do this. And I thought this is where resilience comes in. And I, you know, went back to learning more about resilience and built resilient work into everything I did in conflict resolution. Oh, I love that. I, I'm going to share a little story. I, I was raised by a woman that modeled resilience. Oh. And um, my mother was just amazing. She's the one that if, if you read the intro to my book it says I give her full credit for for instilling resilience in me Um, and so it's just when you actually see it it's just so powerful to see the Mm. benefit of that yeah quality would you would you call it Mm -hmm. a quality Um, I would yeah yeah so I am very much um 
in agreement to the importance of resilience. And I agree. I don't think they, I, I don't think the legal system sees that as a valuable tool for them to help with couples. I wish they did something or there was some, some, um, uh, required, uh, facilitation going on after that, if not with the attorney, which that might be overspeaking what they are capable of doing, but moving into some modeling for parents yeah, to help build yeah. that. It's so, it's so vital. Yeah, you know, going through separation and divorce, and I learned this from my clients, you know, watching uh-huh. all kinds of scenarios, um, you know, in many cases, this dance of conflict has been alive in their relationship for years and years and years. And then yes. for for a couple or a family even to have to redefine their relationships and get along differently, it, it's very challenging and there's many things to be resolved. One of the things I have to say that I was most impressed about in Canada a number of years ago when I was mediating in the family sector um, the, the Canadian government came out with a program called Parenting After Separation, and it was delivered in conjunction with a lawyer and a mediator. And I had the pleasure of having that contract in the area of Canada I lived at the time and actually had a contract to revise the whole program as things changed in mediation and as things changed in the, the parenting world. And I was really proud to be a part of that program because it talks not only about how to prepare for mediation and how to develop parenting plans, but there was a mm-hmm. whole section on self-care and, you know, what I would call resilience um, mm-hmm. after conflict and such a powerful um, skill set for people. Yes. I like that. Kudos to Canada. I don't think we have well, anything <laughs> like that in the U.S. <laughs> I really it's don't. It's a province. Well, in the province that I lived in, Joyce, they made it mandatory. So any couple that was uh, applying for a divorce who mm-hmm. had children under the age of 18, they were required to take this, um, I can't remember, mm-hmm. it was three hours or I think it was three hours one evening, and, and we had to provide them a certificate um, that mm-hmm. there had been a tenant. And if there were cases where safety was an issue, um, mm-hmm. the, the concerned partner could just talk to the courthouse and go on a different day than, than the other parent. But it was, you know, it was seen as very, very important for the healthy development of children, as well as the mental health and wellness of the people going through this process. Yeah. Oh, I like that so much. Um, mm-hmm. because you do walk away with, with, you've already got a couple that can't talk to each other. And so coming of one solution, even though I would say most parents, um, really do care about the children, but they, mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't play out that way in their relationship with their ex. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just I, hate that. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I saw that so much that it was. It's sometimes in conflict, it's really hard to separate uh, the 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 meat of the conflict, what's going on, and to separate it from the other relationships that we have in our life. And and we saw that a lot in family conflict, where um, if if it was a separation or divorce, for example, it was really hard for some parents to draw boundaries of this is an adult conversation. 
and mm. something for my partner and I. And this is where the children are okay to hear this type of information. And, and a lot of times the conflicts in the relationship became really difficult to handle because children were getting involved in conversations that really were mom and dad conversations and that didn't yes. need to, you know, impact yeah. the children. And then kids get worried. They, they don't understand what's going on in their life. They feel like they have to pick sides. Then the parents, mm. again, you know, becomes angered about this. So conflict is really complex. That was my big takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, how does one move? Now, you move from a, a, a very, um, per, I'm going to say personal, but, but um, from couples into the bigger picture where you're working directly with more conflict of working in the working environment. Mm-hmm. Was it easy to transfer from there? It seems to be a bit different to me. Yeah. Or is it, it very common? Well, one of the things that I, that became really apparent to me uh, was that the process of conflict resolution, we used what's called an interest-based model of conflict resolution based on the Harvard model. And that process and model is the same whether you're working with a family with their teenagers, a separation or divorce, or a workplace conflict. What is different is the substance of the conversation. So what people are in conflict about or what are the driving interests and motivators for people. That was in, uh, different. But the process of resolving conflict was the same. And I will say that after having uh, mediated hundreds of family and separation and divorce conflicts, it really prepared me for workplace uh, situations because in workplace conflicts, a lot of times people come in sort of, I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> that you can't <laughs> see, but on their best behavior because they're in a mediation with their boss or their colleagues. So they don't want it to lose face, uh, face or they don't want to appear unprofessional. Whereas in family conflict, um, you know, often there was less discretion. And so people kind of let it go in mediation. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and so there was a little more self-control often in the workplace mediation. But the process was the same. The process, yeah. the model I used was the same. So did you find it was once, um, well, there's emotion in both, but um, uh-huh. did you find that it was easier to move in the professional arena than it was in the personal arena? I mean, they're both personal, yeah. but do you know what I'm asking? Yeah, uh, yeah in the different uh, types of mediation, absolutely. Um, one of the things that's interesting with that I discovered about family mediation versus workplace is that uh, in, in family mediation, what became apparent is there's a lot of habits and um, I'm going to call it history involved in the relationship. So yes. a lot of times in the conflict, you kind of felt like you were um, in the weeds and trying to help people make sense of what was going on and what was clouding the current issue was history, mm-hmm. something that happened 10 years ago, something that your mother-in-law said, and, <laughs> and it became very complex. Whereas in the workplace, a lot of times, the people that were having the conflict, so let's say two employees that worked together, they didn't have a 20-year history many times. You know, often yes. there were conflicts with long-standing employees, but often, um, you know, the relationship was different, um, 
they didn't have these same kind of habits of how they communicate together. Mm-hmm. And in the workplace, um, there was often a sort of driving expectation from the employer that you need to get this issue sorted. It's impacting your performance at work. Uh-huh. And so there was sort of this driving force. I really want to keep my job, and um, I really want to work this through because going to work in conflict with this other person is not fun for any of us. And um, so sometimes, and and while families really want to, you know, help their family be as healthy as possible, there was a lot of complications I found that people had to deal with in the process, which was just, you know, these enmeshed kind of family relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that if if your job is on the line, that it's a very clear um, <laughs> avenue or path that mm-hmm. the employee has to get his act together or her act together. Right. Mm-hmm. In the marriage, we can always say, oh, it's not my fault. It's her fault. Right. If she'd just do this better, you know, that type of thing. So it's a little clear yeah. to identify who's responsible for the solutions. Right. And and also in the workplace, too, um, you know, there's things like policies. So organizations have policies and procedures around, here's what our company expects when you have a conflict with someone. You're going to do this and then meet with oh. them and have a conversation mm-hmm. and work it out. But in families, I mean, we don't have a policy manual that says, when we disagree, here's what's going to happen. And, right. And not everybody has conflict training. And I mean, I saw that and not just in the family scenarios, it's in workplace as well. A lot of people that I worked with in workplace conflicts, they've not ever taken communication or conflict resolution training, which is part of yes. what made it tough for people to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is the, I would think the bugaboo. I mean, really. So many of us, I mean, I, I even realized my communication wasn't the best with my ex-husband just simply because of my own uprearing and what I saw modeled. Mm-hmm. You right. know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Well, in communication, I think what's interesting in conflict, um, there's some interesting things that happen uh, because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, for example, or we don't yeah. want to make the situation worse, or we wonder what will people think of me if I bring this up. And conflict mm-hmm. for most people feels um, scary, and and but it's all and uncomfortable. But what I do know is that being in conflict is also uncomfortable. So sometimes right. it's a matter of saying, okay, I'm just going to go through this dump, uh, discomfort and do the best that I can. And yeah. the nice thing about communication is when we make a mistake, which often happens, it even happens to me, and I'm trained on this, where my inside voice comes out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I didn't finesse the words as much as I should have, for example. Right. And, and we have to do what I call the mulligan, which is the do-over. And, and so the great <laughs> thing about communication is that when we mess up in real time, we can do the do-over and say, I'm sorry, that didn't come out the way I wanted it to. Let me try uh, it again, and then you can reframe yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you take a group, or when you go in to, walk, to work with a corporation or, or whatever you're working with group, uh, how, do you start the, how do you start this process? You, you talk about 
you have five different steps that you use in mm-hmm. helping with conflict resolution. How do you start? Well, part of it is preparing. And it was so interesting with your show being about transition. I was thinking that so many workplace conflicts that I was called in to work with teams or groups, mm-hmm. they, it was a transition in their workplace that uh-huh. actually sort of um, conflict bubbled to the surface. So uh, one of the things that I do is really prepare, and part of that preparation is understanding, you know, what is going on in the workplace? Has there been some change or transition? Understanding the relationship between the people um, that are going to be part of the conversation. That's part of the preparation is, is also determining who needs to be in the conversation. And why that is so important is many times in workplaces, when there's a conflict between two people, leaders will often say, hey, let's do a training. In, and they're saying that in the hopes of these two people will get some skills, fix their conflict, and all will be good. The <laughs> challenge is the rest of the team is sitting here thinking, the only two people that need to be in this training are those two people. <laughs> and so, nobody, so the two people are waiting for everybody else to change. And everybody else is hoping these two people get it. And and so that's where the preparation comes in, is really understanding what type of process is going to best support the people that are in conflict. Is it training? Is it mediation? Is it mentoring? Is it coaching? I know you do coaching. So often it's coaching that people Mm -hmm. need so that they can just become more confident with having the conversation. So that's the first thing I do, Joyce, is is really looking at – What's the history? What's going mm-hmm. on? What do I need to know about the company? What do I need to know about the people? And then who are the right people to be in the conversation? Ah, uh, so do you, uh, I would think that the person that's listening in a group, maybe that would totally go over their head if they're causing problems in the group right. or the committee, <laughs> that they would totally miss that they are the problem. <laughs> And, and that's, that happened once when, and this became important for me years and years ago. I was called in to do a training. I had no idea that there was a very big dispute between two people. And it was long lasting. Seven years this conflict had gone on. And it, these two people were not talking to each other. They wouldn't look at each other at staff meetings. But the company did not share any of that with me, despite me asking numerous questions. And I oh. even had a questionnaire for them to fill out. And when I got there to do the training, I thought, "Whoa, this just doesn't feel right. You get really good at kind of reading the energy of a room. And yes. when I was doing the introduction, I noticed that these two people um, turned their body away from the other person when they were talking, like almost to really exclude them. And I was oh there gosh. to train on. It, yeah, so it was, and then I noticed the reactions of everybody else in the room. So... Some of them were rolling their eyes. Some of the team members were doing the, you know, the loud yes. and, yeah. and I at break, I said to the supervisor, I said, I feel like there is some information you have not shared with me about this team. <laughs> and I feel like this, <laughs> and I feel like a mediation between two people. It was that obvious to me. So what wow. I did is I, um, you know, did did some training on communication and uh, and um, and talk to people about 
you know, the company policies and what's there to support them in conflict. And then I've made a recommendation to the HR and to that supervisor that yeah. in fairness to the group and in fairness to these two people oh. that were clearly oh, unhappy. I, oh. <laughs> we're going to break. I'm sorry about that. No problem. Break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Tokinet Radio has partnered with one of the largest travel booking engines in the world to offer savings of 15 to 30% or more on hotel booking fees through our own web portal, www.bestradiotravel.com. Discover the discount you can receive by going to bestradiotravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-Y-C-E, to see for yourself. This is a custom booking site for the listeners of my show through TogiNet Radio. We have negotiated special rates at over 650,000 hotels worldwide to save our customers money. Our members leverage our massive buying power to save thousands of dollars by booking with us. BestRadioTravel.com can beat the best prices offered by any other major travel booking website. Please go to BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, sign up, and enjoy the discounts. This is BestRadioTravel.com forward slash Joyce, J-O-I-C-E. Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are visiting today with Charmaine um, Hammond and we have just discussed some fascinating aspects about confrontation in not only with couples, but also in the business place. But we were talking just before how she'd gone in and was doing some of the steps. So I wanted to share this with you. I was a director of a children's museum for about five years, and I loved that work. But one of the constant irritation was that I had a staff of about eight women, and three of them were up front handling most of the volume of school tours, and then there were there were like uh, five 
or maybe a little off on numbers, but um, there was the back staff, which was the inner workings of getting groups in there. So anyway, there was this constant agitation between the front staff thought they didn't get as much loving as the back staff because that's where I officed. And so it was a constant battle of trying to keep these two. And sometimes I just just opened our staff meetings with, okay, girls, we got to get ourselves back in balance here. I didn't know how to <laughs> do it <laughs> because there were strong personalities on both ends. But yeah. I know how that, that happens in every place we interact with other human beings. Absolutely. So, you know, and I loved all of them dearly. They did a great job and we did great work, but it was a challenge at times. <laughs> but you had gone into to telling us some of the steps, so I don't want to stop that because I do think we all experience okay. this conflict. So, Yeah, that, you know, that first step is all about preparing. So if you have a conflict with someone and you, you're going to sit down and have a conversation with them, whether it's a family member, a friend, somebody on a committee or on your workplace team, it's really important to prepare. And a lot of people think, oh, well, I spent time thinking about it. And I always say, what time was it? And they'll say, oh, I was up really late thinking about it. And I say, well, if you were in your pajamas, that's not preparation. That's worrying. Oh, very good. A lot of times people are up at two in the morning laying in bed worrying about the conversation. That is not preparing. That's creating anxiety for us. So preparing is things like making sure you get enough sleep, um, making sure that you've given thought to some great questions that you can ask the other person, um, Mm. making sure that you're working through any assumptions that you have made. For example, Mm. what do you know to be fact and what do you know to be an assumption, even practicing what you want to say to the other person. Um, I I encourage people to do this in front of a mirror, Joyce, where you write down what you want to say to the other person, and then at least 10 times you say your part in front of the mirror, and that helps you work out some of that drama and emotion and helps you get your thoughts clear. Yes. Yes, mirror work, I call that. Um, Yes. You know, um, is very strong in helping us center ourselves. We can actually look at our eyes and see what's coming through our eyes. That's important work. Yeah. It is. That's a great suggestion. Wonderful suggestion. You know, Joyce, a lot of people say that once they get into the real dialogue, you know, they're sitting there and they're uncomfortable, they're nervous, they don't know what to say, and then they say something silly or not relevant, and that's, They don't know how to fix that in the moment. And so that's where this practicing mirror work, as you called it, is so valuable because your brain will remember it. And so if you get brain freeze where you can't remember what you wanted to say, your brain sort of digs around in that internal filing system we have up there and it says, oh, yeah, this is the part you practice in front of the mirror. And then then you're, let's say it. And so it really helps promote confidence. And then, of course, step two is, figuring out what is the agenda, what are we here to talk about, so that you can stay on task. And then step three is talking about it, having the conversation. I call it a courageous dialogue, which is having the conversation that matters most and is mostly avoided. And that's where you and the other party or you and the team or you and your partner talk about the conflict. And both sides are considered, or all sides, if there's more than two people in the conflict. But this is where you're sharing your perspective, 
and asking mm. lots of questions to the other person so you understand their perspective. That's yeah. step three of the five-step model. Yeah. The um, When there are just two people, there is always a moderator. Is that – or can't – are they – I can see where it just m- mediation between a couple – kind of needs that third party to help because it's such an emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is Mm -hmm. in business as well, but, I mean, is that true? Well, you know, the goal for me is always, where possible, to have people have the conversation at the lowest level of um, involvement of other parties. So if, if two people in a workplace, for example, can have the conversation together Mm -hmm. respectfully, and mm-hmm. safely, that's always a preference because the goal is to make sure that that relationship is maintained. But sometimes there's so much history or the converse, or it's a complicated issue or yeah. the volatility between the parties is quite high. And that's where a mediator, that third party, sometimes it's an external mediator like I was in my past, or sometimes it's a leader or an HR professional from the company that will j- just sort of help um, navigate people through that conversation so that both mm. or all people involved get the chance to speak. Because often mm. in a conflict, there's one person who is more verbal and mm. will cut people off and, and, you know, interrupt and get their um, opinion out there before anyone else. And so that yeah. third party can, can just kind of say, great, we've heard from you. Now let's hear from everybody else. And they can kind of make sure everybody gets the chance to say their perspective. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, which do you enjoy most speaking in, uh, to professionals and I, cause I know you're, you're really applauded on, on your website I went to and you have all these accolades about your speaking, how they love to hear you speak. Cause you do good stories. <laughs> so I was kind of hoping I could attend one because I love a good speaker and you're oh. funny. It says they say you're funny and you share valuable insights. So, uh, do you enjoy speaking or do you actually enjoy more the going into corporate and working and getting your fingers dirty, as they say? Mm, yeah. There were, um, I really enjoy now being in the world of training and speaking and working with teams to actually help them to develop the skills and to help them build confidence. So um, I don't mediate my, uh, anymore. I sometimes mm-hmm. facilitate, so I'll go mm-hmm. in and facilitate team processes or helping a team develop a team charter to work better together. But I think now where my passion and my joy comes from is helping people develop the skills. It's really beautiful to watch somebody come into a training class that is really afraid to have a conversation with their colleague or supervisor and has been avoiding it. And then they develop some some confidence and some new communication skills and there they are a couple of hours later practicing the conversation with ease, grace, and dignity. And, and that's yeah, really exciting to see how great. just some little tweaking of tools yeah. can help people be successful in conflict and other well, types of transition. So do you have a tip that says how to start out, how to 
kind of progress through a conversation that we've been putting off for weeks? <laughs> yeah. Here, I, I'm going to use someone else's quote. Um, and, and this quote is by a person named Judge Esty. I don't know Judge Esty, but I love the quote. And Judge uh-huh. Esty says, conflict is like wine. It does not get better with age. (laughs) (laughs) I love that quote. And what it's really saying to us is don't wait. Communicate. You know, the conversation might not be perfect. It might be bumpy and messy. But Mm -hmm. not having the conversation will generally always lead to the conflict getting bigger, uglier, more difficult, more emotional. And it's Mm -hmm. totally okay to say to somebody something like, You know, this conversation is really important for me to have with you, and I value my relationship with you. I'm a little Mm -hmm. nervous, and so I might be a little bumpy or clunky here, but I really want to have this dialogue with you. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Um, That is probably the hardest thing, but so worth it to be able to say that so openly. And you were so relaxed. I know you've had lots of practice, but... but, um, it, it does help if we can just remember we're human and we're going to make mistakes and, and yeah. they just want to hear the words. Um, yeah. everybody loves to know there's, if they're feeling something, somebody else is feeling that as well. And there's really some true sincerity there in wanting to alleviate the discomfort. Yeah, exactly. And people, you know, when people understand that you're speaking from the heart and Mm -hmm. that you're, you know, you're really wanting to solve this issue, people will be much um, more flexible and understanding. And, you know, the other piece of advice is to listen for common ground. So, for example, in many conflicts that I have facilitated and in lots of the training I do, I'll hear Mm -hmm. people say things in conversation like, I just want to be treated with respect or nobody respects me or, you know, and they'll say that word repeatedly through the conversation. So the tip is when you hear someone repeat something a lot, acknowledge it, validate it. And if it's something that is important to you, so if respect was being mentioned and that's important to you. You can say something like, I've heard you mention respect a lot and I'm, I want you to know I hear mm-hmm. you and respect is something that I value as well. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you point out common ground, it sort of is like the bridge to the next part of the conversation. Yeah. Do, do you start that conversation with a declaration not in that firm stand but i feel there's discomfort or something going on between us or do you ask a question are you feeling like we're not communicating is there a way you recommend yeah i love the declaration word that you just um talked about joyce where you're coming at it from your perspective because the other person might not see the issue. It might be an right. issue that we're noticing and, and the other person is really oblivious to it. They know that you've been distant with them or mm-hmm. haven't been saying good morning in the hallway, but they mm-hmm. don't know why. And so when you can just say, um, just like you said a moment ago, Joyce, I feel like there's some, um, some tension in our relationship and this may be mm-hmm. something that you're noticing or may not be, but I really want to have the conversation with you mm-hmm. because it's something that I'm feeling. And, mm-hmm. you know, my relationship with you is important. And that's a great example that you share, Joyce, of what we call I messages. 
and mm. where you're speaking from how you see it versus, you know, this is the way it is. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're sharing your perspective. And that allows right. the other person to say, oh, wow, you know, I, I haven't even noticed that. Or, oh, my gosh, I've been feeling that as well. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. 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 I hate to admit this, but I had to use those words about a week ago <laughs> with a situation. Uh, it was a social situation. And uh-huh. it, the only reason I share that is because I think it's more common than we like to agree upon sometimes that those things do happen in daily life. And it's the bigger man that steps up and recognizes and said, enough, I'm going to put this to bed and said, yeah. and expresses herself or his self. Um, so I, I wanted to share, I did have to do that in my own social <laughs> setting a couple of weeks ago. And I felt wow. so much better after I did it. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I think that's an important benefit that you've just mentioned, Joyce, that even though the conversation might be a little uncomfortable or, or we might even be sort of, you know, cringing at it, um, yeah. afterwards you felt better. And you know what? It gives the other person a chance to help fix things. This happens all the time in workplaces mm-hmm. where people will be upset with each other. They don't talk about it. And what's sad for me is that the parties are not giving each other the chance to make it better. And 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 then everyone around them is being impacted by the conflict. And it feels so much better when you can just clear the air respectfully, oh. safely, comfortably, and move on. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Your website is, and I'll let you give that, because you have two websites. Right. Yeah, I've got a few. And probably the best way to get a hold of me is CharmaineHammond.com is uh, mm-hmm. my my website. And the other one, I have a website called RaiseADream.com. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yes. So, but you're also on Facebook and you're on Twitter and LinkedIn. Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, you betcha. Yeah, yes. So, of all of the areas that you enjoy the most, you say that you enjoy the teamwork, the building there. Um, where, what is the best? Now, this is a little off task of your work, but what is the best about your life right now? Oh, you know, I, I'm in a place in my life right now where I get to do lots of things that I enjoy. It, so I enjoy wow. writing, and I'm writing a couple of new books. I oh. have created some new presentations, and um, and and I have a great husband and a dog who <laughs> just gives me so much joy every day. And um, yes. you know, one of the things that I made a priority uh, last year in my life was that resilience was really important to me, having some work life harmony, and yeah. getting back to doing some of the things that I enjoy. That uh, and you know, so I'm in a place right now where I'm trying new things. I'm making time for the things that I love to do. And yes. that's all part of my self-care plan. Yes. Good steps. I like those steps. Um, also, you you share, as you shared with me earlier, that you share your time between the U.S. and Canada. I have so many friends that I've 
met through the development work uh, from Canada. I love all my Canadian friends. <laughs> We're so glad you come visit us. <laughs> well, we, as soon as that as soon as that snow starts flying, that's a good indication for us to just uh, cadaddle right out of Canada and into somewhere warm and sunny. <laughs> I know, I know, yeah. and it's I don't know, but are you experiencing strange weather? We are. Yeah, a little bit strange, and and I live in Vancouver when I'm in Canada, so we're going into our rainy season, so when the snow starts flying in other parts of Canada, we get just, uh, I think right now on the agenda is uh, 12 days of solid rain, Um, and and by solid rain, I mean from the middle of the night (laughs) till the middle of the night, 24 hours a day of rain. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) How do you keep your spirits up? Oh, you know, that one of the things I have learned to do, because I came from a part of Canada that was six months of snow, is that, you know, um, you've got to get outside. You know, even if there's no sunshine, which in Vancouver in the winter, there's not a lot of that. Um, and you've just got to get outside. And, and so we've, we've done things like... Um, bought our dog a raincoat so that we can all go out and and I've got to say having a dog has forced yeah. me to get out there every day but also oh, yeah. to um you know just just to I I have all my windows um you know with the curtains wide open during the day so getting sunlight and and uh and then doing things I love and walk I try and walk wherever I can so that I'm getting that fresh air. It's so easy to hop in the car and drive places. But um, I'm trying, my sort of 2019 goal was to be walking as much as I could. And yes. that has really helped, even if it means, you know, rain boots and umbrella. Um, the other option, it could be snowshoes and a snowsuit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or head to California. <laughs> yes. A little more preparation in those um, yes. weather-challenged areas for sure. Yeah, that's right. But in in speaking to my audience, what would you say is probably what you would consider a wise suggestion for somebody that is entering or in a transition period mm-hmm. for them? You know, um, I would say when you're going through any kind of transition in life, whether that be personal or professional or both, Make mm-hmm. sure you've got a support system. So that could be a friend, a family member, but somebody that you trust that you can talk to. And to recognize that transition sometimes brings other challenges. So, for example, transition in the workplace all often brings conflict to the surface or transition in our personal relationships sometimes brings up old issues that we thought we had sort of put away. And so just to be prepared that sometimes transition gets a little messy and clunky and to just have patience with yourself and to be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. That's when you need to put on those boots and that raincoat and get out there and walk a lot, you know, (laughs) stand or or go barefoot and stand in the grass. Uh, (laughs) I love that for grounding. I I sometimes need more grounding than anything else um, Mm -hmm. just to feel that simplicity of life again. But I do think challenging the transition seems to be more common than it used to be in Mm -hmm. 
in that we're constantly going through change and adjustments. You know, my little town is now no longer a little town, and I have to deal with the stress of traffic and and mm-hmm. scheduling time. It just seems like it's coming at us much faster than it used to. Do you find that? Oh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And we're just flooded with so much information and the number of decisions we make has increased. I mean, you know, we wake up and we go onto our Facebook page and we're flooded with a whole bunch of decisions. Do I like that post? Do I unfriend that person? (laughs) You know, so we have have all these little tiny decisions that we didn't have 15 years ago that, and then flooded by information. And like you said, transition and change is happening very quickly and very often. So Mm -hmm. we have a lot to deal with as humans. Yeah. How do you keep the balance between the workforce and the personal life? Do you give it such a juice? Yeah, that's a juicy question, Joyce, because I love what I do. One of my challenges is Mm -hmm. recognizing that despite the fact I love what I do so much, it's still (laughs) my work. It's so easy for me to, you know, to be working on something creative at 11 o'clock at night. And I have had to learn to set boundaries. And my husband, I'll just share a really quick story with him. He, it drives him crazy. I'll wake up in the morning, six o'clock in the morning. And instead of saying good morning, hon, I'll say, Oh my gosh, babe, I've got the best idea ever. And, (laughs) you know, this poor guy hasn't even had his coffee yet. And he's being flooded by 900 ideas from Charmaine. And so he said to me one day, he tried to give me feedback several times, and I didn't really pay attention to him that closely. And so one day um, he had said, you know, Charmaine, I just really, I love that you have so many ideas, and I really like to wake up slowly and have a coffee and just not talk about ideas at 6 o'clock in the morning. And I didn't really, I said, oh, okay, no problem. The next morning... I, I greeted him, and he, and he points to the corner of the room, and he says, look over there. Look at that corner. And I said, yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking. And he said, don't you see the sign? It's neon. It says, we are closed. And I said, what? <laughs> and there was no sign, but he said, you know, you always talk about visualization, so I'm giving. And he said, what I'm going to do from now on is when you start talking about your ideas, I'm just going to kiss you on the forehead and, and point <laughs> to the sign. And if you... <laughs> And so, and he's done that a number of times, and I just so love him for being patient with me. And so sometimes we need visual reminders and boundaries in our life to separate home from work, because without it, we burn out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I would probably be a, a challenge at times, because one of the work habits that I have, and I really believe this, that I'm much more productive in writing. Unlike you, writing skills seem to be a little more challenging for me. And so mm-hmm. if I get up at four, I can really knock it out. But if I sleep till eight, it's, I don't know, it's just going to be different. <laughs> right, right. And so anyway, yeah. I'll jump out of bed at at four simply to get the project completed it might be kind of tough if I had a partner, you know, <laughs> oh, you jump it at four o'clock. But anyway, it's, it's what, what we do. And, but I do have a, I do come five o'clock. I'm come four o'clock. I'm out. I do have a barrier there. <laughs> so anyway. Well, and, and- 
it's good that you can turn it off because boy, oh boy, we need to turn it off sometimes. Yes, yes. Well, I want to say what a pleasure this has been. You've given us so much good information today in helping not uh, only just the transition, but the, the relationships that we have. So I thank you very much for being on my show. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I enjoyed the conversation. Oh, yes. And so I, uh, and I hope that your season with the snow for the holidays <laughs> is, <laughs> is pleasant. And, uh, I know it will be when you're out there with your boots on and you're walking in the snow <laughs> and your doggy has Thank a little, you. little raincoat on. I like that idea. That's right. I may have to get one for my- <laughs> so thank you very much and I uh, much success to you as you uh, continue working with these confrontations and building partnerships in your business so thank, thank you, you so much yeah now it's time for us to say goodbye and as you know as you have seen it was a great show and I I really like Charmaine, and I think she provided us with great information. So next week, I look forward to talking with you again. I hope this week goes well, and I so love that you were here today. Thank you for being here. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.